All right, we've been busy with the book of Malachi. You turn to Malachi, it's, you can go straight to Matthew, and then you go, just go to reverse back, and you'll find Malachi. If you just reverse from the book of Matthew, if you don't know where Malachi is, just reverse, and it will be the first book after, after Matthew. <laughs> That's uh, Malachi chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 6 to verse 14. Malachi has really been uh, very concerned about the people. As we heard last week, they were, they were very privileged. They came out of the Babylonian captivity and they were allowed to get back in, into Babylon after the captivity and they were allowed to have the, you know, begin their new life right there under Persian rule. But the people wanted to get back home. They didn't want to be under Persian rule and all of that. And because of that, they were discouraged and they felt that the Lord had forgotten about them and they questioned his love and all of that. But here this morning we read from verses 6 onwards and we see the response of the people toward the Lord because of them questioning his love and also the Lord speaking to them. Chapter 6, I mean rather verse 6 of chapter 1. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible, when you bring, bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord. This is a hard word, eh? Now, now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. And let's just read verse 14 there the last verse of, the, of, of this chapter, cursed, you hear that? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Now, how do we get into this now? How do we get here? <laughs> so the title of the message here this morning is, Who is number one? Who is number one to you this morning? My job? My wife? My boyfriend? My girlfriend? My pets? Yeah. That, you know, all those pets that we have. Who is number one to you this morning? That's the question we need to answer here today. But the expectation of the nation was that they would bring their best as God, 
uh, best as an offering to God. But instead they were bringing their leftovers, their scraps, the blind, the injured, and the maimed animals to the Lord. The idea of animal sacrifice seems foreign to many of us. It is foreign to us, isn't it true? The people were continually sinning against God and against others doing evil and polluting the land. The sacrificial system was provided by God as a way to atone for their sins, to deal with the evil in their midst. They had to offer an animal from their own herd or flock. It needed to be one without defect, and it needed to cost something. I want to say this, when you sacrifice, when you give your best, it will always cost you something. God reminded his people here that he only wanted them to sacrifice animals that were without defects. He did not want them to sacrifice the leftovers of the flocks and herds. He deserved better than that. He has done so much for them. He has done so much for us. He deserves our best. He deserved their best. Are you this morning like the Israelites? Not treating God with the honor and the respect that he is due, but instead giving him the leftovers as an offering. That's all I have left for you, Lord. That's good enough for you. Is that a, what you are saying this morning? Or are you saying he's your priority in life? He's not just an afterthought. And this morning when we think of making him number one, we miss out on making him number one when we forget who he is. Who is he to you this morning? Is he king of kings and lord of lords? Is he your father this morning? Is he your provider this morning? Is he the faithful one to you this morning? Who is he to you? Knowing who he is is always the starting point in our worship. In fact, in all worship. True worship is a life that places him above everything else. Have you placed him above everything else this morning? And as we go further, we think about this. We think of how the Lord already has revealed himself to us. And in Romans 1, Romans 1 tells us that God has made himself known to every person through what he has made. You can read Romans 1 there. All we have to do is go outside on a starry night. Look at the stars, look at everything else out there. And then we realize that we are just but a small part, just a small part in the wheels of this universe. We know there is someone greater than us, someone greater than my trials, someone greater than my problems. Someone greater than my issues. Someone greater than what I'm battling and struggling with. Someone greater than whatever I am going through. We know that there is someone greater. And since the beginning though, man has tried to figure out how to know God 
and how to please him. And if you go to the book of Genesis chapter 4, we have Cain coming and he offered sacrifices of his harvest. And this was self-effort. The Lord is not looking for self-effort. He's looking for a complete surrender of yourself to him. And Cain came with the harvest and it, it seemed as if it was a good thing that he did. But the Lord was not pleased with it because the Lord demanded in the Old Testament those days the blood sacrifices. Can you remember Aaron? Aaron made a golden calf. Some people say Aaron, but it's Aaron. He, he made a golden calf in honor of the Lord. What have you made in honor of the Lord here this morning? Is it the golden calf or is it more than that? Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire. The Canaanites put their children in the fire. The prophets of Baal cut themselves. Can you remember that? And the people of Athens even made an altar to the unknown God. But no matter what they did, God is still great. No matter what they think, no matter how they questioned him, God is still great. To say this, that trial that you're facing, that test that you are going through, God is still great. He will get you through it. He's still great. And in his greatness, he longs to be honored by us. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't need us. doesn't even need our accolades. But he still longs to be honored by us. Many today are cruising. Isn't that true? Cruising for a bruising, we used to say when I was young. <laughs> we were cruising. Some are comfortable. <laughs> some, some are consumed with lesser things. Denying the greatness of God in their lives. Stop denying the greatness of the Lord in your life this morning. In this book, God refers to himself with a handful of different titles. And we're going to just mention a few here. Firstly, in, um, in verses 1 already, eh? or rather verses 6, he already identifies himself as both father and master. I'm your father. I'm ready to be your father. I long to come alongside you. I long to carry you. I long to lead you and to direct you as father and as master. And the primary response of a son to his father is honor. In the giving of the Ten Commandments, God said, honor your earthly father and your earthly mother. That's what the ten, one of the Ten Commandments eh? If earthly children are to honor their parents, if earthly children are to honor their earthly fathers and mothers, how much more are the children of God to honor their heavenly father? God reveals himself also that he is the master. A master has authority over his servants because they belong to him. They are his possession. Are you the possession of Jesus this morning? Because he is father and master. 
in a position of authority, one who has cared for you, one who protected you, one who is providing for you and has provided for you. Don't you think he deserves honor, respect, and reverence today? Do you offer him priority in your day? Do you seek him first? And showing it by your actions. But you know, he's not only revealed as a father and a master here, but God is also revealed as the Lord of hosts. That word there, Lord Almighty, Lord God Almighty, or God Almighty means he's the Lord of hosts. And it means he's the Lord of great armies. A number of armies. <laughs> the Lord Almighty has all the host of heaven this morning ready to do his work. He has infinite or unlimited authority in the universe. He has myriads of unstoppable angels available and ready to move when they hear his voice. Available to do something for you. And I, I wonder how many times the Lord has sent his angel into your situation and, and then just you, you didn't, you and I were not even aware of it. And he sent his angels to show up and to prove his love for us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Our Lord, our God, He has dominion over everything. He has dominion over the destinies of people, individuals, and nations today. Seven times in this, uh, times and 23 times in this whole book, God, God calls Himself the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says that he sits on his throne and is surrounded by seraphims who guard his holiness. 1 Kings 22 19 says, uh, even a little bit more as it expands this picture by saying, God is surrounded by countless angelic beings who stand to his left and to his right. Psalm 103 says that they are mighty in strength and obey the voice of his word. He is God this morning. He is the Lord of hosts. Allow the Lord of hosts to come alongside you today and trust him. He's also, you know, uh, he identifies himself as the great king, verse 14. That's the last verse there. There have been many rulers of this world. Nebuchadnezzar, Alexander, Julius Caesar, many others. Each for a time set a sovereign rule over the world. Each had unlimited power and influence. But all kings, monarchs, dictators, emperors, prime ministers, presidents, pale in comparison. To our great king. There's no one like our great king. Do you love him this morning? Do you appreciate him? 
Psalm 47 verse 2 says, As the great king, he is above all the earth. There's another verse in Isaiah which, that says, uh, He sits above the circle of the earth. Daniel 4 verse 37 says, He is the king of heaven. Psalm 95 verse 3 says, He is a great king above all gods. First Timothy 6 verse 15 declares that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And Jeremiah 10 verse 10 tells us that he is the everlasting one. There is no one greater than him. None can compare with him. He is awesome. That's what we heard this morning as we were singing. But secondly, here this morning, we miss out on making him number one when we fail to express an authentic faith. How authentic, how real is your faith in him this morning? The priest and the people were not in this. If you read from verses 7 onward, they were not authentic. The priests were accepting not just second best. You're not authentic if you accept second best as good enough for you. Are you accepting that? They were accepting second best from the people. But worse, they were also bringing the Lord's sick sheep. Sheep with defects. They were offering the ones that were not worth anything. Is that what you offer to the Lord this morning? Something that is not worth anything. Animals in those days and still today had value for labor, for food, for sale. And instead of bringing their best, they were offloading their worst. Brothers and sisters, are we giving our worst? to the Lord this morning. They were trying to make worship, that, those, the priests, they were trying to make worship more convenient and affordable. But you don't do that with the Lord. There's no such thing of having a convenient way of serving Him. This suits me, Lord. This is good enough for, for you, Lord. Now. We serve him on his terms and not on our terms. Isn't that true? <laughs> and Israel was so comfortable. They were so careless that they were even bored with, with worshipping the Lord. I want to say this. When you are bored with God, even heaven does not have an alternative. Bored with God, even heaven does not have an alternative for you. Jesus is supposed to mean everything to us. Heaven says Jesus is everything. Jesus is the best. But when we are bored worshipping him and we find it boring to serve him, boring to live for him, <laughs> then heaven will say, I have no alternative for you. 
because Jesus is the best. He's the best. Are you saying that about Jesus this morning, that he is the best? I'm asking you this morning, are you giving God the best that you have? Give the best. Challenge you this morning, give the best. And I want to say, this was not in those days easy to do because this animal that they had to sacrifice was the cream of the crop. The most expensive to sacrifice. The one used for breeding. You know what? For breeding. Not bleeding, breeding. But it was what God demanded. He demanded that ask you again, are you giving God the best that you have? God is never to get the leftovers. He should receive what is right. What is right, not what is left. That's what he should receive. <laughs> Isn't it true? Giving should cost something. And in 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, David insisted. What did he insist? I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I will not sacrifice to the Lord anything that cost me nothing. And the thirdly here this morning, let's move on. I'm asking you, what are you offering to the Lord? Are you giving him your best? But then thirdly, we miss out on making him number one when we lose sight of the big picture. Verses 10 to 14. The big picture was that God still remains God. If you are not prepared to give me every inch of you, your life, that's what the Lord says there in verse 10, then you cannot play church because I am closing the doors. <laughs> that's basically what verse 10 means. Close the doors. Let someone close the doors there. And the Lord is saying, if you are not prepared to give me every inch of your life, I repeat this, then you cannot play church because I am closing the doors. Playing church is not good enough. But let us remember here, the big picture. What is the big picture? Let us remember that in Malachi, God points back to the Mosaic Covenant to remind them of his faithful love. But, but this side of the cross, we are no longer under the covenant, but we have been offered a new covenant in Christ. That's the big picture. The imperfect sacrificial system of animals that God provided for the Israelites in the Old Testament points us forward to better things. Jesus died a once-for-all sacrificial death in our place. Isn't that amazing? Eh? We no longer need to sacrifice animals to remind us of our sin and to atone for them. The new covenant has made it possible for us to enter his presence at any time without an appointment. Any moment we can come to the king of kings. The other thing about the new covenant is this. The new covenant is not just for the Israelites but for people from every nation. That's the big picture. Every nation. Verse 14 speaks about that. Eh? Verse 14 closes by saying, His name is feared among the nations. We have been given the privilege of announcing 
the great king himself to others. He uses us to accomplish his purposes in this generation. That's the big picture. He has made us salt and light in this dark and dying world. He has called us to be ambassadors to represent him and him alone. We were not saved and then relegated to a corner and saying, now you're saved, it's fine, you can carry on now. Uh-uh. And just relegated to this, what, what corner is that that you're sitting in? Little Jack Warner, huh? We are not on the sidelines hoping someday to get in. No, he has given us a race to run and a battle to fight. The Israelites had lost sight of this. And sometimes, and I often say, often us as well, we have lost sight of the fact that he has paid it all in full and that we are part of his great plan to touch the world and make a difference. I want to conclude with a man called Eric Liddell. Some of you have heard about Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell was born in 1902 to a Scottish missionary couple in China. When he was five, his parents sent him, sent him to a boarding school in London. When he came of age, he attended Oxford College and became a highly decorated sprinter running the 100-yard dash in 9.17 seconds. Now, 100 yards are different to 100 meters. 100 yards is a little bit short. It's about 91.44. But 9.7, to sprint anything in 9.7 is still quick. Believe me, it is still quick. Uh, this was a British record that would stand for more than two decades. He became known as the Flying Scot, Eric Liddell. In 1924, he made the Olympic team and set out to, comp to compete in, the, in Paris. Even in 1924, as today, the 100 meters today and 100 yards those years was the most celebrated event in Olympic history. And Liddell was favored to win. On Sunday morning, July 6, 1924, the stadium in Paris was packed to watch the preliminary heats for the 100 meters. And of course, later the day, the, the final. But Eric Liddell was not there. His personal convictions did not allow him to run on Sunday, and so he willingly forfeited his spot in the 100, deciding to run the 400 instead, because the time, it was not on a Sunday. <laughs> but you, I want you to know this, when I think of 400 meters, that's, to me, that was always a scary race. I'm not going to say anything. But in the, the 400 days, a sustained, that's the thing about 400, there's a sustained max, maximum effort that goes beyond the energy level. There comes a point in the 400, believe me, I've experienced that. 
where, where you have nothing more to give. Because you've got to, there's a certain speed that you've got to maintain in order to be all the others. <laughs> but he, as a sprinter, decided to do the 400 meters. When, when the reporters asked him about it, he said, I run the two, first 200 meters as hard as I can. And then for the second 200, with God's help, I run even harder. Even harder. When the finals came, Liddell drew the outside lane. Doesn't that sound familiar? He drew the outside lane. And let's add to this, an American who had just broken the world record in the semis. <laughs> He'd just broken the world record and Liddell and him and this American were to compete there. As he was walking to the starting blocks, one of his teammates handed him a note with 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 on it. And he read it. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. The race started and Ladal pushed himself like a man possessed. He did not weaken. He broke the tape, finishing well ahead of the rest of the field and breaking the world record. This race has been labeled one of the 50 greatest moments in track and field history. Moments in track and field history. And is captured in the 1981 Hollywood movie called Chariots of Fire. Liddell returned to Britain a hero, but it would not be long before this 22-year-old would announce his retirement from track and field competition and his plan, plans to become a missionary. He became a missionary in China. He faithfully served the Lord in China for more than 20 years. He died of an incurable and untreatable brain tumor at the age of 43. His last recorded words, what do you think it was? It's complete surrender. It's complete surrender. It's complete surrender. He was a man of singular passion who offered his life as a living sacrifice to God. Eric Ladau's definition of worship is what I just said, complete surrender. Complete surrender. More than singing a song or showing up to a worship service, it is to give ourselves completely to him and to relentlessly pursue him and pursue knowing him. Who is number one? Who is number one? To Eric Liddell, King Jesus was number one. To the Apostle Paul, King Jesus was number one. How about you and I? 
who is number one today. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that we can commit ourselves to you today and we pray, Lord, that we will completely surrender to you and give you our best, give you our all. Won't you bless us further today? We also want to pray for the unrest on all our campuses, Lord, around the country. We pray for peace to prevail. We pray, Lord, that you will be the solution even in the midst of the chaos and that you will reveal yourself during this time. Bless us today, Lord, and bless us as we continue to honor you and give you the reverence that you deserve. Amen.